chapter 9, and I'll give you a little context of this letter as you're turning there. In 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter that Paul writes to this church in Corinth. There's, there's 1 Corinthians, we have that recorded in the Bible, and then he actually, he actually sends another letter, we call it uh, uh, Corinthians 1.5, because we don't have access to it. But then we have 2 Corinthians, which is actually the third letter, and it refers to 1.5. So we have, we have some of it. 1.5 was, was apparently was a pretty stern rebuke. It's probably good we don't have it. It was very personal towards them. But 1 and 2, they, they really impact us. And so by now, the third letter that he's written of some very personal things, it is the most personal letter that Paul wrote that we have recorded. 2 Corinthians is the most personal letter. That of all the letters that we have recorded in the Bible, and there's rich doctrinal pieces. And in, and in chapters 8 and 9, he's calling on them to, to uh, fulfill a promise that they've already made. They've already made a commitment to, to support financially the church in Jerusalem. So I want to talk about that for a second because it is so beautiful. Have you ever wondered if God cares about justice issues and God cares about diversity issues like really is a, is a hot topic in our, in our, in our world. Just think about this. The, the, the Jerusalem church is has, hashtag mostly Jewish, right? It's the Jewish church, right? We have, we all know that, right? There's some churches that we go like, well, that's a, that's a, this church, that's a, this church, that's this church, right? I don't know what you would say this church is. Hopefully this is a diverse church that doesn't get into that, but, but, but this is a, uh, a, a Jewish church. The, the church in Corinth is mostly Gentile, hashtag not Jewish, right? So, so, so this not Jewish church is, is being asked to, compelled to cross over kind of racial lines and, and care about their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and, and support them. Uh, the church in Jerusalem is under great persecution at this point, around the 60s uh, after Jesus uh, 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 is born, Right? Uh, there, the Nero is 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 killing Christians. He's get, causing all kinds of trouble financially. It has affected them. They're in great need. Paul is going all over the place, and he's rallying the churches. We should care about our brothers and sisters who are in need in Jerusalem, and, and they are responding, saying, "Yes, we will." In chapter eight, he goes in Macedonia. The people in Macedonia have already done this. They've already they've already been very generous. And then in chapter 9, he basically goes, now it's your turn. And so we're going to kind of read that, and, and we can learn much about generosity from, from Paul in these words. So 2 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Paul says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He supplies Seed to the sower and bread for food will, su uh, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which 
through us will produce thanksgiving or praise to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So they've ral- he's rallying them. He's already said, I want you guys to do what you've already asked, which is to, and he says, I'm going to send your brother. He's going to come there, and he's going he's to gather this collection that, you're, that, you're, that you've promised to make, and now that you're, I'm asking you to make, he's going to gather that, and then he's going to go give it in Jerusalem. And then he kind of talks a little bit about the heart of it. And there's three things that I want you to see that I hope that we see that Paul definitely is trying to, 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 to teach them about giving. And these, these are the three things. I hope today that you hear that, that, that giving is a heart issue. He's talking about the heart of giving. I hope that you learn a, a godly perspective on giving. He's teaching about what is a godly perspective on giving. And then number three, he's teaching what is the better reward of giving? So it's a heart, a perspective, and a reward. And in section one in your notes is this. It's, it's the heart of godly giving. And I love how he, he begins. He goes like this. He goes, the point is this. Now, how many of you guys have ever been uh, uh, listening to somebody, maybe kids you're listening to your parents or at work you're listening to your boss or in school you're listening to your teacher and you just kind of think to yourself like this. You go, dude, what's the point? What are you actually trying to say, right? What is the point? Or your boss tells you to do something and you're thinking, what's the point of this? Why do I even have to do this? What's the point? Paul starts there. He goes, this is the point. Let me share with you the point of this, and it's that the heart of godly giving, and letter a, letter a is this, that giving is a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. So he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So right here we, we learn some things. We learn that each one must give. That's how he begins. Each one must give. So giving is an issue for every believer. Giving isn't for somebody who has a lot of money or, or, or that weird person that just loves giving stuff away and you're like, well, they just love being generous. It's almost like, 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 like they should feel guilty about me letting them give me stuff because they get so into it, right? Like they're into it. Maybe you're not like that. It's for everybody. Giving is, is an everybody issue. And then it, he says it, it's something that you decide in your heart. So this is an attitude, right? It's not a, he's not saying this is what you have to do. It's, it's not a have to. It's a want to. It's a willingness. In your heart, you decide what you want to do because you should want to do that, is what he's saying. Everyone should want to. And he says, not reluctantly. So this is, uh, you, you're not supposed to have a bad attitude towards this. When you're reluctant about something, okay, I'll do it, right? Like, like if, if, if uh, you think about kids or me and my sister when we were growing up and, and you have a little quarrel and then what your parents do? Say you're sorry. Sorry. Right? Like that's a reluctant attitude. If you give that way, he's like, don't do that. And then he goes, not under compulsion. 
This is a maturity issue. You, we, we, sometimes you might give because you feel like there's this emotional like, response to give. Like God, like, like, like you're watching a commercial, right? And you see this little puppy, right? And he's in a cage and they're like, if you gave $35 every month, this puppy could be free, right? And you're like, oh, I want to give because I'm, that's under compulsion, right? Notice I didn't say a cat. No one's going to be moved by that. Just kidding. We have some cat lovers here. I pick on cats all the time. I'm sorry I'm not sorry about that. <laughs> but I get it. They are cute. Cats are cute. I'm just allergic to them. Right? And then he goes, he goes, and God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't mean if you're not a cheerful giver, God doesn't love you. It means he, he just loves, he loves when his kids give. So this Christmas, I was talking to one of my buddies at work, worked for the fire department. He told me a cool story. He's a Christian. He lives in Riverside, has a, a big family, five kids. And his, his daughter is a teenager, and she got $300 uh, for Christmas. And I was thinking, dude, good to be a kid these days, right? Like, I wish I was a millennial. Or what's after millennial? I wish I was Gen Z, right? 300 bucks for Christmas? I used to get excited when I got a tub of licorice. You know what I mean? So, so he gets this $300, and then he, they go to this cool church in Riverside, and they go to church, and, and they hear about the fires that are going on. And at church, they share there was, a, there was a family that used to go to this church, and then they moved to Northern California. And they were just sharing, like, they lost everything in the fire. And not only that, this year, one of their kids, they found out, has a leukemia. And so they're just going through a hard time, and this uh, girl knew one of the kids in the family. They were in kind of youth group together and children's ministry together. And he looked over, and his daughter, who he said is like a total athlete and never cries and just doesn't show emotion, has this one single tear going down her cheek. And he's like, God's doing something. And so after that night, he, she asks, he goes, Dad, can I, give my can I give my money to this family? Now, she's been writing lists of all the things that she could potentially buy with this three hundred dollars that's that's you know we would all do that right like clothes it clothes or all these things that she could do experiences she had a camp she wanted to go to and she was and now she wants to give it so my friend wisely said this is what i want you to do i want you to pray all week and actually i want to pray with you all week and then next sunday you can give whatever you want to give but you don't have to God's not going to be more happy with you if you do or don't, and neither will I be. I, w I want you to really think about it. And the next week, she gets up early, he says, never happens, cooks breakfast for the family. This is what he's telling me. Cooks breakfast for the family, is already and excited to go to church, never happens for her, just out of character, excited, goes. They give a time where you can, you can do your offering, she goes up kind of secretly. He doesn't know how much she gave, gives. And he says, during worship is the first time she ever raised her hands. He comes back to me, literally tear, crying like a baby, telling me this story. And he goes, I love my cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And cheerful giving produces praise. This is a heart issue. This is what... Paul is talking about a perfect illustration in my mind. And then he says in letter B that sowing 
is an investment. So what he's doing here when he's talking about sowing and reaping is he's paraphrasing from Proverbs 22.8. Now, when we think about Proverbs, there's a book of Proverbs and there's many Proverbs in the Bible. Proverbs are general principles of wisdom. They are not promises. You guys get that? They're common sense wisdom principles. And there's this principle that the Jewish people would know about and that's in Proverbs that if you sow you'll reap. And so what sowing is, sowing is a farming term, term, and all sowing is is when a farmer takes seed and it's the process of scattering the seed. Sowing is getting the seed into the soil. And then reaping is after the harvest grows, it's collecting. And if you guys have ever heard of the Grim Reaper, right, at Halloween, he has that, like, that tool. Well, that tool actually has a good purpose. You use that tool, the reaper, to cut down the wheat so that you can harvest it. It's reaping. It's, it's collecting the reward of the harvest. And so he's, he's saying that giving is like that. No farmer thinks about going out and says, you know what, I got too much seed, and the soil really needs some seed. You know, the soil um, would really probably could probably use the seed more than me and just gives the soil away, I mean the seed away to the soil. He's investing it, expecting a reward, expecting a harvest. And so Paul is saying, look, I'm not just saying give, I'm saying sow. I'm saying invest in things, expecting a harvest. That's the language that he's using in this whole passage. So what kind of harvest is Paul telling us to expect if we will invest in generosity? What kind of harvest can you expect if you invest in generosity? And so he talks about it. I think I'm missing a page. Well, I'm just going to wing it. All right. He says there's a, a reward of righteousness. There's a reward of righteousness. When we sow, we get this reward of righteousness. And in this passage, he's actually quoting uh, Psalm 112. Psalm 112, he basically uh, is quoting that when he says this. He goes, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. That's the psalmist writing a thousand years before Jesus is born. And what he's talking about in this whole psalm, Psalm 112, that Paul is quoting, he's talking about that a righteous person is generous. A righteous person is generous. And not only that, if you read the whole passage in context, he's saying that it's actually the generosity that produces the righteousness in the man. So so generosity produces righteousness, and then the righteous person will be generous, and, 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 it, and you can't really separate those. You don't, you don't say, oh, if you were really righteous, you would, give peop- you, would give, you, would be, you would be more generous. No, it's because you learn to be generous that you become more and more righteous, and as you become more and more righteous, you become more and more generous. That's what Paul is talking about when he quotes Psalm 112. And then in the next ish, the, the next thing, I'm going to probably need to get my, I'm going to steal some notes and have some fill in the blanks just like you guys. Anyone have a notes I could borrow? You got an extra one? All right, cool. So a godly perspective on giving. We got a godly 
perspective on giving that he gives us in the next section. So what Paul says in this next section, uh, he goes, And God is able, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, and righteousness endures forever. That was from that section. And then he says, he who, in verse 10 is from this section, a perspective. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way through us, which produces thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the need of the saints, but is also overflowing in many things to God. What he does in this section is Paul now goes again back to the Old Testament and he quotes a double, a double passage. He quotes from Isaiah 55 and from Hosea chapter 10. And basically the reason, what his, his, his heart behind this is he's saying that God is able to provide for you everything that you need, all your physical needs. And he uses Isaiah chapter 55. And then he quotes Isaiah, uh, Hosea 10, and he says not only that, God is also able to provide for all of your spiritual needs. And then he caps it off and he says, God is able to provide for all of your physical needs and all of your spiritual needs in abundance so that you can be generous with some. In other words, God gives you more than you need of these things. So he starts in, in Isaiah chapter 55, and we'll see if we have it on, on the board. In Isaiah 55, 9 through 12, says this. says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's what he quotes. He says that in, in 2 Corinthians. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Then he says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. God is able to provide the bread and the seed. God is able to provide for all of your physical needs. And in this passage of Isaiah that, that Paul is referring us to, he gives us some theology about God. God is smarter than all of us. God's perspective is better than our perspective. God sees things way better than we see things. Also, we learn that God has a plan. That God has things that he's planned. He has things that he wants to accomplish. And God is able to accomplish all of those things. So God sees things perfectly. He has a great process in mind. He has, he has something that he wants to do. He has everything, all the resources that he needs to do that. And yet he's chosen to use us, to do that through us. So he gives us bread to supply our own needs, and he gives us seed to invest in the work that he wants us to do. God has a big perspective. 
He has a plan. He has all the resources. He gives us resources to feed us and to invest in others, to accomplish the works that he's caused us to do. So God has provides for our physical needs, Isaiah 55. And then he ends that same sentence, and he says, God also provides our spiritual needs. And he quotes from uh, Hosea chapter 10, verses 12. He says this, says, sow for yourself righteousness. So we got sowing and reaping again here. He says, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. So Paul refers back to this Hosea passage, and what he's saying is that I want you guys to sow seed. Invest in the soil. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in the work that I'm doing so that you can reap a harvest of righteousness. What it will produce in you and what it will produce through you is going to be a harvest of righteousness. And I want to do those things. And then he says this in Hosea, which is actually pretty profound. I don't want you to miss it. He goes, break up the fallow ground in you. Fallow ground is if you're a farmer, it's like imagine if you go out and and you're going to plant seed because you want to create a harvest and you go out and the land is just rough, right? Like it's seen better days. It's hard. It's got rocks and thorns. It just looks like it's like it's like planting corn in the desert. Fallow ground. And he goes, break up the fallow ground in your hearts and be generous. I think what Paul is saying is this. Because he could say, we're going to go out and we're going to do the work and we're going to plant the seed. That means we're going to tell people about Jesus. And it's their fallow ground hearts that's the problem. Paul doesn't say that from this passage. He tells those who are going to give, break up your fallow ground. In other words, what he's saying, I believe, is that generosity does something in our hearts that softens it and prepares us to be the sowers, prepares us to be used by God. Break up your hallowed ground by being generous. God provides for all of your needs. And then he says, God provides enough for both of those, both your physical needs and your spiritual needs, so that you can give some away. God gives you what you need so that you could give some away. How could you provide for people's physical needs? Well, you could give financially to them. You could give your time. You could give, uh, my neighbor is getting older, and I noticed for the first time this year, um, he didn't put up his Christmas lights. Um, my wife, who's beautifully wise and beautiful in every way, she noticed it. She said, you know what? You should go help Vern put up his Christmas lights. I had to go to work. I was, I was like kind of excited about it. I want to go help Vern put up his Christmas lights. Someone beat me to it. Totally stole my righteousness. But in our neighborhood, there was joy because that's the thing is you could, it's not always just giving finances. Maybe it's just whatever you have. What about giving spiritually? You ever, you ever like, like you got so much going on in your own life and then someone else has problems around you. It's like, I don't even know if I have anything to give. And he's saying, no, give. I'll give you what you need. Give to people's emotionally needs. 
Give to people spiritual needs. Give to people in every way. Be generous in every way. Because God will supply what you need. And in fact, already has. And it's a perspective thing. If, 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 I, if I went to any one of you and I said, hey, let's go to the ATM machine, and I didn't have a gun, so I'm just, this, is, this isn't like a robbery type thing. I probably should have started off with that. This isn't a robbery. But we just went together, and I was challenging you, and I said, I want you to pull out a a 10 $100 bills from the ATM. And you're like, oh, it doesn't give you $100 bills. In this story, we're in Vegas for a Christian convention, Okay. We're in a story, we're, 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 we're in Vegas for a Christian convention. I say, hey, go to the ATM and get out $100 bills, 10 of them. How much is that? $1,000. You guys are good at math. We're on the same page. <laughs> now, and then I said, hey, I want you to take that $1,000 and I want you to give one of those $100 bills to, to, to anybody here, right? Just give $100 away. Now, there would be a whole spectrum. Some of you guys, that would be very easy for you. Some of you guys, that would be very hard for you. Some of you guys are like, if I had $1,000 in my account right now, then this would change this whole story. <laughs> it's not the point. Right? But if, but, if, but if I asked you to do that, or you felt like God was asking you to do that, it might be hard or easy. But let's change the scenario. What if I pulled out $100 from my account, in, uh, a 10 $100 bills, $1,000, and I gave it to you, and I said, all that I'm asking is that you give one of those away, the rest you could keep. How many of you guys, that would be a lot easier? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying God has pulled out of his account and given you everything that you have. And all that he is asking is that you give a little away and you get to keep the rest. But it's a perspective thing. Based on how you view where everything comes from. And the Bible teaches that everything comes from him. And Paul is alluding to this through these things. And he's saying, look, it's going to be hard at first. Because you have fallow ground. But do it anyways. And what you'll find is it will produce a softness, a compassion, a willingness, a righteousness, or you might say spiritual health. You'll be more and more spiritual healthy as you learn to do this. And then he talks in the last section, and I actually have the notes for that. I'm just missing page two, which uh, ironically, 1 Corinthians, we have 2 Corinthians, which is actually 3 Corinthians. We're missing the middle one, and I'm missing my middle page. <laughs> Thank you, God, for your sense of humor and for getting us through this, right? Now, number three, the better reward of godly giving. Paul talks about a better reward that comes from godly giving. So 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 15 he says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of their surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So there's some great th meat here. He goes, first of all, the, re the better reward of godly giving, the most practical one is when, when we're generous as God's people, that God's kingdom will grow. 
right? In other words, what he's saying, and he says it like this. He goes, uh, uh, you'll, you'll take this, this generosity and it will supply the needs of the saints. So let's just get practical for a moment. How many of you guys know that life is expensive, right? Life is expensive. Well, I'll, I'll give you in on some insider information about church. Church is expensive just because life is is expensive and we're here in the middle of life trying to do ministry and ministry is expensive and so what he's saying is that god's people they supply financially they 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 provide for the for the ministry that god wants to do through every church and the church global and 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 individually right like there's times where 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 you'll give you'll give to whatever it is that god puts on your heart but for those who have been family, many of you guys have learned that part of being a family, part of being a, a part of this, 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 this church, part of p- uh, participating with this church is financial uh, provision. That's how God has chosen for it to be. Now, he could have chosen a lot of other ways because God has a bigger perspective. God has a plan. God has all the resources he needs. He's chosen to give some to us. And he said, "Just I just want you to give some back and i want to use that for ministry that's the way that god's designed church to work does that make sense so so one of the fruits of of being generous is that god's ministry the work that god wants for us to do he allows us to partner with and we're able to accomplish all that he's called us to do so so the the god's kingdom will grow but the rewards get better as we move on that's baseline that's not even the exciting one that's just the practical one. And then he goes, no, also that God's grace would be displayed. That God's grace would be displayed. He goes, because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, that's what is caused this, that, that God's grace to be displayed. I'm going to move this out of the way, so I'm about to get excited. This is how this works. What he's saying is this. Don't miss this. You guys ever jumped into a pool and landed in there and then it just ripples? This is called the grace ripple effect. What Paul is talking about here is this, that God has been so good to me. God has been so good to me. When I think about that, that God, grace is, he's given me more than I deserve. God has been better to me than I deserve is what we're saying. When, when, when we think about that, that God has been good to us that god's grace has been overflowing to us that will compel us to be to want to be gracious towards him to want to love him and and matter of fact we learn when we read the bible that the best way to be gracious and love god is to be gracious to others and to love others that's what he wants so when, when, when we realize how gracious God has been to us, it compels us to want to be gracious to him. And the best way to be gracious to him is to be gracious or generous with others. And what he's saying, though, is when we become gracious and generous to others because we love him, when we're loving others because we love him, that's called authenticity. Somehow he uses that, and people are able to recognize the authenticity. And what Paul is saying is that when when we realize that God has been gracious to us, we want to be gracious to him, and then that compels us to be gracious to others. And then when we're gracious to others, they receive it as, as God being gracious 
to them through you. And so God is now being gracious to them, and then they want to be gracious to God, and then they realize the best way to be gracious to, to God is to be gracious to others, and then that person realizes that God's been gracious to them through you. And now I want to be gracious to God, and then they want to be gracious to others, and then somebody else goes, oh, and then they're being gracious, and they get gracious to God, and gracious, and there's this ripple effect that will never stop. It's the graciousness factor, right? It's a ripple factor. And so God says in, in his Sermon on the Mount, he goes, I want you to be so good to others do good works to others be generous to others so that they will see your good works and give glory to god on the day of christ jesus we'll have the worship team come back up if that didn't get us started for worship i don't know what's going to and then lastly as the worship team comes up one more section that god's glory would be spreading God's glory would be spreading. The kingdom will be growing. God's grace will be on display. God's glory will spread throughout the land, is what he's saying. So he says, and they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel. What does that mean? I'll read it again. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel. What he's said, what he's basically Paul is saying is this, is that what you believe to be true, what you confess, where your faith, your faith beliefs, whatever those are, they become authentic when you put them into practice. Your confession of the gospel is put on display through your generosity in, that, in, this, in, this, in this story that Paul is talking about. He's saying, when you have this confession and you submit to it by, by, by practicing it, it glorifies God. How many of you guys know that? Like, it's not enough to just say, oh, yeah, I believe, but when that belief turns to behavior, that's authentic. That's real belief. So what you confess to believe should affect how you behave. And what he's saying is that people will glorify God because of your generosity towards them that is motivated by your love for God. So belief in God and his mission, which is to love others. He wants to love others through you. And in the process, what he's saying is, we now fulfill what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, that we would be so good to others because he's been so good to us we're so good to others that they, experiences, they experience God's love through our love. They experience God's grace through our grace. They experience God's generosity through our generosity. And that is why it is important for us to be a generous church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father,